How are we this morning? Good. Good. All right, if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Book of Luke, chapter 2. That's where we're going to be today. Just a moment. I'm going to pray one more time. As you're turning, I will pray. Father, we are grateful for who you are, for what you've done, God, and for what you're going to do. We believe, Lord, as we've prayed a million times, that we that you're the greatest of all time, that there's none like you, there's never been any like you, and there will never be anyone like you. You are infinitely better than anything that we could experience here on this earth. And what we need this morning, God, what we desperately need is for the power of your Holy Spirit to break in on our story. God, we need you to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive from you. Every single one of us, God, have walked through a week in the world, Lord, and we all now ask you to allow the the noise from the world to be silent so that we can key in on the scriptures and we can key in on your spirit and see what you might say to us. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. You are so loving. You are so great. And I pray this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit that when we get into the word that we do not miss a thing, God. We don't want to miss it. We want to see it. We want to savor it. We want to know it. And we want to be known by it and for it. In the mighty, matchless, perfect name of Jesus, everybody together said, Amen. Um, This is the season of Advent, the time leading up to the day that we celebrate together the coming of Christ, when Christ Jesus came when God came in the flesh. We call that the incarnation. Um, and there's a phrase that's really kind of become the, a mantra for my life. God, do in my heart what I can't do for myself. It's really uh, something that about two years ago I started praying in one of those moments, one of those times where, um, and maybe you've been like this, you've ever had a time where you really just didn't know what to say to God. Anybody else ever been there? Just really like, God, I'm, I'm kind of, maybe you were even frustrated with him. You didn't really like the way things were panning out and, or going in a situation. I don't really know what to say. And it was really one of those moments for me. It was a, it was a crazy time where this prayer really came to life. Um, I came down with this, this inner ear ringing thing called tinnitus and all this crazy stuff was going on. And I just, the only thing I could pray, the only thing that I could pour out was God do in my heart what I can't do for myself because I'm incapable right now. I'm needy right now. And where I fail as a believer before, this is all free, this isn't even part of the message. Where I fail as a believer is thinking that I ever get over being needy. That I ever get over being incapable. I'm always in need of the goodness and grace and the power of God. I'm always incapable to do the God-sized things that he's placed in our hearts and in our lives. I'm always incapable without the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, that prayer, that idea, God, do in my heart what I can't do for myself, is really, it really comes to life in the incarnation. And you've heard me say it before, but for years and years and years and years, men tried to make a way to God on their own. They tried to repair the fracture that happened in the garden. They tried to undo what was done in the garden. And there were rituals and traditions and sacrifices, but man always, always, always came up short. 
So God comes in the flesh. God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He lived 33 sinless years, never sinned. Went to a cross and died in our place so that you and I could receive life forevermore. When you think about Christmas, and listen, I'm, I'm right there with you. When I think about Christmas, sometimes I get caught up in the idea of divinity and dressing and fudge and cookies and all things Hallmark. You know what I'm saying? You guys know I refer to Hallmark. It's because that channel's pretty much the only thing that plays in my house this time of year. I'm caught up on all the new shows. But this time of year, right? Like Christmas. Santa Claus and snowmen. And, and if you go in any department store for the last 39 and a half days, Christmas music, right? But I, I think sometimes in the busyness, if you're anything like me in the busyness, you miss out on and we forget that this season is a reminder not of all of those things, which are really good and fun, but it's a reminder every year that God came and did something that you and I were absolutely incapable of doing. That God overshadowed Mary. Scripture says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. She conceived and bore son. His name was Jesus. That God, on our behalf, did something that you and I could never do. And what I want to do this morning for just a minute, I want to look at that story. And I want to think about the story of God and how God breaks into the story of man and encourages man to become the story of God. So if you have your Bibles in Luke chapter 2, I'll start reading in verse 8 and I'm going to take you through verse 20. In the same region there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, hang on to this phrase. The angel didn't say that. I just want you to hold on to this phrase. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom God is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go. I want you to hold on to that phrase too. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds, some, some translation will say, marveled at what the shepherds had said to them or told them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying God, praising God for all they had heard, seen, and had been told to them. I want to, for a moment, set the stage for you of what this night must have looked like, what this night must have been like. The shepherds were shepherding, right? The shepherds were just doing life. 
What I love about the story and what I want you to see and I want you to grab from the story that I think we miss oftentimes when it comes to, because of the snowflakes and the divinity and the overeating, all that awesome stuff. I think we forget that God's trying to tell us something in the story of Christ's birth. And this is the first point that I want you to grab onto. There was nothing special about the shepherds. We read no account that says they were morally astute. We read no account that says these guys were the greatest thinkers of their day. They were theologically trained. They were a certain denomination. They never swore. Did anybody else read anything like that in the text? We, we don't find it. You can't find anywhere in the story of God, in the story of God coming to man right here, that because of someone's good works or someone's perfection or because of someone's degree or pedigree or the way they were raised or their moral constitution, no one can find a place and says, that's why God broke in on their story. No. It was only because God is God and he is good. And he wanted to interact with man. There was nothing good about the shepherds. They were just shepherding. They were just hanging out. Can you imagine the scene? These guys, no telling what they were talking about or joking about or thinking about, just hanging out with some sheep in the middle of the night and all of a, all of a sudden the glory of God is put on display and God through some angels starts having a conversation with a bunch of nobody shepherds. It was just in the night in an obscure part of the world that God chose them to experience him. There's no story that they were all huddled up in, in some awesome prayer circle and, and Hillsong playing in the background or Bethel or whatever gets you going. Like, There's none of that here. It's because God in an instant decided to break in on the story of man. I don't know about you, but... Whew. And I want to remind you, you say, TJ, why are we doing this story today? Why are we focusing and why are we keying on this? Because I want to remind you that every single one of you this morning has the opportunity. Every single one of you gets the opportunity to have a shepherd experience. See, in a million different ways, God has broke into our story, hasn't he? Whether it was through some random song playing or, or some sermon you heard when you were 8 or 10 or 15 or maybe some... Christ-centered poem that you saw or maybe you came to Easter or to Christmas or you ventured into to church one morning and you heard the gospel and God broke in on your story. Maybe it was summer camp or a D-Now or a time-out retreat. And in the middle of your business, in the middle of your life, God just broke in on your story. See, what I love about the shepherd's life and what we're going to get to in a minute is that God breaking in on their story, God choosing, desiring to interact with man, to give them a purpose, absolutely changed the trajectory of their lives. They were content just being shepherds. They were content just hanging out, but God had something more for them. It's like you and I so many times, and I'm preaching to myself this morning, we are content being bankers and lawyers and clerks and salesmen and, and, and musicians and preachers. We're content doing these things, but God wants to break into our story and give us life. And I know some of you, you're like me this morning, and I find myself in this camp. 
And you start recounting all the stupid things you've done in your life and you think there's no way God would want to break in on my story. You think about all the sins, right? And if you, uh, I have a, a memory that somehow allows me to forget a lot of good things but to remember all the stupid stuff I've done. If you're anything like me, when you, when you think about that concept, that idea that God wants to break in on your story and give you a new trajectory and a new name and a new life, maybe the thought creeps into your head, not me. TJ, you don't know what I've done. TJ, you don't know where I've been. TJ, you, you don't know the brokenness that I'm even walking in this morning as I sit here and you preach. I, I don't know if God wants to break in my story. I don't know if God wants to really use me for something Does anybody know the, the name Bathsheba? Ring any bells? See, Bathsheba was bathing on her roof one day. David noticed her, and David and Bathsheba had an affair. And to cover it up, David had her husband sent to the front lines and killed. And God judged them. They walked through a season of, of brokenness and judgment over some dark, dark sin. And you would think, man, that's a story that I don't really see God breaking in. I don't really see God using her. God's just going to kind of, probably going to push this lady to the side and pick somebody that's kind of morally clean, that doesn't drop any F-bombs and has never done anything like that. God's not going to really use that lady. Does anybody know who Solomon is? He like wrote some of the Bible and stuff. Anybody know who his mom was? Bathsheba. See, there's reminders all throughout Scripture that no matter how dark your sin, no matter how dirty your past, that God at any instant can break into your story, clean you, redeem you, cause you to repent, and then use you as a trophy of righteousness for his glory. There's another... There's another name that I don't know if you'll realize, recognize. Anybody know who John Newton is? John Newton. Um, okay, let me, let me kind of put it this way. Um, there was a man who went to sea with his dad when he was about eight or nine years old. And he, he really took to being uh, on the sea. He really, he really took to mastering a ship. He was actually brought into the Royal Navy, and then he ended up being the captain of a slave ship. So his job was to be a part of the capture and the enslavement of men and women and children, and then to be a part of the cell of these people. This man, like that story, when I think about that, I'm like, if there's anybody that God wants to blow up and push aside and never use, it would be that guy, right? But in the midst of the abolition, which was led by William Wilberforce in England, there was this thing that happened in the heart of this man. Like in the middle of the slave trade, at one of the darkest times in human history, God breaks in on this guy named John Newton. And in his old age, he confesses his sin. He calls slavery an abomination. He begins to mentor young men in, who were part of the abolition movement. And he begins to pen these words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. 
Saved a wretch like me I once was lost But now I'm found Was blind But now I see A man who was steeped in the slave trade A part of an abhorrent evil God breaks into his story allows him to repent, makes him a pastor, and gives us one of the greatest hymns probably to ever touch the world. The snapshot of the gospel. So this morning when you say, TJ, my story's too bad for God to break in on. Can I just say this in a loving way? Just shut it. But TJ, you don't know, just shut it. God is all about breaking into the mundane, into the darkness, into sin, and infusing his light and glory and grace so that you and I don't get to live a different story, but to live a God story. Get to live his story. <laughs> Praise God that he breaks in on our story. Amen. Luke 2. 10 through 11 says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, and that will be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It was important in this moment when you think about it, think about the scene. These guys are just used to kind of hanging out with each other and a bunch of sheep. And all of a sudden, they've got angels talking to them, and they've got music playing from heaven. You know, some of them was like, Bro, what did you put in the brownies? Right? And there's no other explanation other than God breaks in on the story. Can you imagine that night? How terrified he must have been. Fear not. I don't want you to fear. Because Christ has come. And I want you to hear this today. When God breaks in on your story, sometimes it's scary. The idea, the reality that we now have a choice. When God sovereignly chooses us and breaks into our story, we have a choice. Now are we going to own this thing? Are we going to surrender our lives to God? Are we going to go? He's called us to go and see this Christ. To enter into the story of God and become players in the story of God. Are we going to do this? Or are we just going to keep hanging out with sheep? And that question for many of us is an extremely fearful thing. But God, I'm content hanging out over here just running a business. God, I'm content over here being a clerk. God, I'm content over here selling shoes. God, I'm, in, I'm content right here. But, but there's Christ. I want you to see Christ. I mean, how different would the story read? How many of us would think you were some dumb shepherds? How different would the story read if they were like, you know, God, we really appreciate the show of angels and stuff and all the music, but we're, we're good. We're just going to hang out with the sheep. How many of us would think, man, you guys are dumb? Anybody other than me? And you were invited into the story of God. So here's my question. Why are we okay with doing it? See, God in the gospel has broken into our lives. He put Christ on display and it wasn't this cute baby in a manger. It was this mangled body of a perfect son on the cross. And he invited you and I into the story and said, Come, cast all your cares upon me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come, take up your cross and follow me. And so many times I'm in this camp. No, God, I'm, I'm good just being a preacher. 
God, I'm just going to hang out over here with the sheep. I'm going to hang out kind of in my box. God's like, no, come and look at Jesus. Fear not. And I know the reality for many of you sitting in here, this God has called us all to God-sized things. It's just not the preachers. It's not just the evangelist. Every single one of us sitting in the pew has a God-sized call on our life to take the gospel, to share the gospel, to disciple our children, to send them out, to love our neighbors, to love our community, to share the gospel. And for many of us, that can cause deep fear. But good news leads to great joy, which leads to the Great Commission. I see, when we understand that we were made for somewhere else, that this place, this earth, is just a pass through for us, just a temporary stop, we are empowered by boldness. We're given a gospel-centered, a Christ-saturated joy and courage. It's the reason Paul, and I've said this before, he was the most frustrating for the world probably of any man that ever lived that carried the gospel. Because he had lost all fear at conversion. Paul, we're going to take away your food. I I know what it is to have much, and I know what it is to have nothing, so I'm good. Paul, we're going to let you live. For me to live is Christ. Paul, we're going to kill you. To die is gain. It was frustrating. Because he had no fear. And there's another story I want to share with you of a man. His name was Hyen. And he was a a missionary, a gospel-centered man in Cambodia. And there was, they call them the rogues. But the rogues were gathering up men and women and children and putting them to death. Those who stood for Christ. And and the rogues caught Hyen and his family and they tied him up and left him under a tree and said, we're going to come back tomorrow and we're going to put you to death. And so through the night, Haim and his family pray together and thank God for the opportunity to be found worthy to die for the gospel. And the next day, they are charged with digging their own graves and they spend most of the day digging their own graves. Haim, his wife, and his two children. And when they finish digging the graves, they are put on their knees in front of the graves. And, and in a moment of fear, their youngest son was nine or ten years old. He jumps up and he runs into the bushes. And in an absolute moment of just calm courage, Haim stands up. He walks to the bushes and he begins to plead with his son. This is what he says. He said, would you please come from the bushes? You might have another day or two days or three days if you go and try to live on your own in the wilderness. The rogues will definitely catch you or you will die from the elements. But you have the opportunity, son, to come and die alongside your mother and your father and your sister for the glory of God. After a few minutes of awkward tension, Haim's youngest son walks out of the bushes, kneels down beside his dad, and they are all put to death. You and I will probably never walk or into or encounter in this life, especially here in this country, maybe in our lifetime, that kind of situation. But I pray to God that we would have a Haim, a Christ-centered type of boldness. 
No matter what you're facing today, you serve a Jesus. You serve a God who has given you the ability to not fear. Because you belong to him. You were made for him. You are loved by him. You've been given a new name, a new character, a new life. You belong to Christ. There is no reason to fear. What can man do to me? Amen. And the choir sings. Suddenly there was a, with the angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those who, with whom he's pleased. And this is the moment where the shepherd put feet to their faith. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in the manger. There's a few things I want to bring out here to you. When you come face to face with the glory of God, he will put a let us go in your heart. See, the shepherds, they encountered, encountered God. God broke into their story. And after an experience, a genuine experience with Jesus, there was a let us go mentality birthed in their hearts. Have you encountered Christ? I mean, have you encountered Jesus in such a way to where the, the cry of your heart is let us go? I mean, there's neighbors that don't know his name. There's there's people groups that don't even have a Bible translated into their language. There's men and women all over the world who a missionary has never set foot on their soil. Let us go. There's a co-worker who doesn't know the joy of Christ. There's a student who has never seen the goodness of God. There's a friend who is living for the world. Have you encountered Christ in such a way that he has placed to let us go in your heart? Only he can do it. Only he can demolish fear in your heart and only he can give birth to joy in your life. And only Christ can compel you to go. I, I want to show you one other thing here from the, the story with the shepherds. I want to remind you this morning that if you have seen Christ, if you are following Christ, if you do know Christ, and you feel called by Christ to engage, to love, to live, to lead for him, the journey for Jesus is always worth it. I, I want you to hear me say this. There will never be an empty manger when you're following Christ. He said, TJ, well, what do you mean by that? How terrible would the story have been if the shepherds would have shown up and there was nobody there? <laughs> well, maybe this Jesus thing isn't what I thought it was, right? But no, he was there. And, and I want you to hear me say this. If you follow Christ, if he's called you to something, if he's called you to faith in him, when you take a step, you will always find him there. You will never come upon an empty manger. Christ will always meet you in the middle of your calling. Christ will always be there. Scripture says he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He'll be closer than a brother. Christ is there. And the journey for him is worth it. And when we see him, we will tell the world. Hear this, Luke 17, 2, 17 through 18. And when they saw him, 
They made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child, and all who heard it marveled at what the shepherds said. When you see him, everything changes. When you see Jesus for who he really is. Not the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, frail, dainty guy in a painting who's been beat up by some Roman soldiers. But when you see him for who he is, the risen Lord, the King of kings, the author and finisher of your faith, the Savior of your soul, the lover of your heart. When you see him, everything changes. And when you really see him, you will tell the world. Seeing Jesus for who he is has got to be the best evangelistic strategy on the planet. Listen. I'm telling you, I could stand up here this morning and say, I could give you 10 tips for sharing your faith with your coworkers or give you a pamphlet of five ways to tell someone about Jesus. But the best evangelistic strategy that I could offer you is for you to seek the face of Christ. Because when you see him, when you understand his great love, when you are brought to life by the power of his spirit, how could we stay silent? Last thing, but Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, pondering on them in her heart, and the shepherds returned glorifying God for all the things they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. When I think about the shepherds, I want to live like these shepherds, trust God like these shepherds, rejoice like these shepherds, and walk in humility like these guys. Check this out. The shepherds were living in a field, taking care of some sheep. They were awed by some angels, followed the instructions. They saw Jesus, and they shared the good news. God broke into their story and forever changed the trajectory of their lives. These guys were some of the first gospel preachers to ever walk the face of the planet when Christ had come. They went away telling of all the things that they had seen, and people marveled. But of all the people in the Bible, so many people have their name attached to their deeds. We know who Paul is. We know who James is. We know who John is, Philip. We know these guys. But these shepherds loved Christ and knew Christ, and they were okay with their names never being mentioned. They were okay to be the nameless, faceless men and women who went about their day job. They probably went back to being shepherds. But they were shepherds who had encountered God and whose praise was on their lips. I wonder if you have seen him in such a way that you go back to doing whatever you were doing, but you go back changed. You go back empowered. You go back fearless into a world that desperately needs Christ, and you just happen to be one who've, who have met him. I want to be awed by the glory of God. I want to follow his lead. I want to see him for who he is. I want to share the good news. I want to be joyful knowing that it's all about him and his glory, and it's not about me. And I want that for you. Have you seen the Christ? Have you seen him? Has the glory of God broke into your story? And if so, what are you doing about it? I want to pray for you this morning. I want to all, we're doing things a little different. I want all heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but... If you say, TJ, I want to see Christ. I want to see Christ in the way the shepherds saw Christ, the way that God broke in on their story. I want God to break in on my story. I want to see him. And TJ, I've, I, maybe I have seen him, but I, I fear, and I want to be freed from fear. I want liberty in Christ and freedom in Christ. I, TJ, I want to see Christ. I want to know him.
I want to really know him. Would you lift your hand this morning if that's you? Say, I want to know him. I want to know Christ. Put your hands down. Thank you so much for your honesty. Listen, no one looking around, I want to ask this. If you've never professed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you know of God, but you've never been known by God, if you've never known the goodness and the joy of salvation, and you say to TJ, man, I, I just want to surrender to Christ. I, I, for the first time in my life, not a rededication, not a renewal, I want to surrender my life to Christ today. I want to see him the way you're talking about. I want you to lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. Father God, I pray. And I thank you for the men and the women, men and women in the room who want to see you. Who want to know you. Who want to be known by you. Men and women who want to see you in such a way that their lives are forever changed. The trajectory of their lives is no longer centered on them, but it's centered on your glory and your goodness and your ability to save and transform and redeem and heal. And I pray for the men and women in this church who lifted their hands to you and said, God, they just want to know you and see you and carry the gospel. I pray you would empower them with joy and grace and boldness and a fearlessness. You're the only one who can, Lord, so you're the one we're crying out to you. And with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, young lady who lifted up your hand, would you just pray this with me? Father God, I'm an absolute sinner. I've sinned against you, and I can't make this right on my own. I acknowledge that today you're breaking in on my story. That you've shown me the gospel and you've shown me Christ, and I just want to say, I repent. Would you be my Savior? Would you be my Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you, if you prayed that prayer, uh, I would love for you to come up at the end when we dismiss um, to talk more about that. But I, I just want to encourage you today, be fearless, be full of courage, see Christ for who he is. Acknowledge that he's broken on all of our stories and wants to forever change the trajectory of our lives. I love you guys. You're dismissed.